Morning, everyone. Good morning. Oh, I got Christopher there. Oh, I thought I was in trouble then. Um, it's, uh, it's lovely to, uh, to see you. It's lovely to see so many people. Uh, for those uh, who don't know yet, my name is Chris. You can call me Christopher if you want, but only my mum does. Um, uh, and um, uh, I don't know how you're feeling right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, as we start this season of prayer, I don't know how you're feeling. You know, for me, I've got a whole range of different emotions. You know, I was saying to Ruth uh, when we were praying earlier, I was like, please pray for me because I can feel the tears rising already. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be one of those ones that feel like you're going to need to bear with me. But I'm excited. I'm really excited for what the Lord is wanting to do. I'm really excited to see what the Lord's going to say. I'm really expectant. I'm expecting, you know, to bring, as we humble ourselves, as we bring ourselves before him and we pray and we press into prayer, I know the Lord's going to speak. And I'm excited. I'm also a little bit nervous, if I'm honest with you. I'm also a little bit nervous to see what the Lord requires, to see what the Lord has for us, the cost of what that's going to be for us. But I encourage you to press in. Let's press in in prayer. Let's press in for the next six weeks. And my hope is that it doesn't just stop, that we continue on afterwards. But we're pressing in with prayer. Do you pray? Is prayer something that you do? Is it part of your rhythms? Is it part of your lifestyle? Is prayer something that you regularly will do? Is it something that comes naturally? For some of us, we may have been given the gift of intercession. You know, we naturally, we've been gifted that. We pray. When someone says, let's pray, you're there straight away, speaking in tongues, you know, and you're there kind of like ready, there, willing, saying stuff. Or are you the kind of person where someone says, pray in a group or just pray with people? And naturally, it's a little bit nerve-wracking because it's kind of like, well, what do I say? You know, what, what is it? Do you, do you kind of rehearse your prayers before you say them? You know, I've, I've gone through seasons in my life where that's been that. You know, I've been in groups and I'm kind of rehearsing my prayers because, you know, I, I don't want to look silly or I don't look, look daft. Do you know what I mean? Um, do you know, when you pr- do you pray regularly? Do you have a time where you regularly pray? You know, it's something in my life that I've, 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 I've been instilling and to, to uh, six o'clock, that's my morning. That's my routine. That's mine. And that's not to brag or show off. That is literally just the thing that works for me. You know, there's lots of people that don't. But, you know, to the point where it's become such a part of my routine that I get up at six o'clock that I can't lie in anymore. My body naturally wakes me up at six because that's become such a regular part of my life. Or is prayer something that only happens when things get bad? You know, I've had seasons in my life where that's been the case. It's not always been six o'clock in morning prayers. It's been only when things are a bit tough, things are a little bit hard. That's when I pray. That's when I pray, when I need something. Do you know what I mean? When I I want answers to prayer, that is when I fall on my knees and I'm praying before the Lord. You know, when we pray, why do you pray? Is it, again, because of things that we want to see? Is it because of what things maybe we want to get? You know, is it things that we want to receive? You know, why is it that we pray? See, prayer isn't this magical formula for, for getting things that we want. It isn't something that's just reserved for, you know, holy people, special people. It's not something that's reserved for even special times or places. Prayer simply is communicating and talking with the Lord. It's a real gift, you know, God created everyone to be in relationship with him. You know, and he loves to hear from each and every one of us on our own. And I think even collectively, you know, there's real unity together as the church of people praying before the Lord. I think there's something in that. 
I've just been away in Blackpool this past week with a conference, not this past week, the week before, you know, and there was Youth for Christ all together in one room, and then one de- the next day there was Scripture Union and the message and, and YWAM and all these different things, and it was really powerful when together, collectively, as the church, we came together and we pressed in prayer for our young people and our nation. You know, when we pray, we, you know, we're, we're talking to the Lord, and there's an invitation to come and be in relationship with him. You know, the amount of stories that I hear, you know, you don't even have to be a Christian, you know, in the sense that people, when they're willing to seek him, you know, God's made himself known. You know, people have just prayed. They've come and been in a church or they've been somewhere and they've just prayed because they want to know the Lord and he's revealed himself in that because they've reached out to him with an open heart. You know, scripture is full. It's full and full and full of verses of seeking after him. In Proverbs 8, it says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Two Chronicles, if my people are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. Again, one Chronicles, it says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And it goes on, there's tons more. Deuteronomy 4, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. In Acts 17, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Tons and tons of verses of scripture where it talks about seeking after him. I'm studying the Psalms at the moment. That's where I'm camped in my kind of daily readings. I'm, I'm reading the Psalms and the Psalms of David and the Psalms of these writers and these authors. And it's all about heart, a heart after the Lord. Prayer shouldn't be a task. Prayer shouldn't necessarily be something that we just do. But it's about a heart. It's a heart thing between you and the Father. And I don't know about you, but what's been some of the models of prayer that maybe you've had in your lifetime? You know, in your journey of faith, in your discipleship, what are some of the models that you've seen? You know, thinking back and looking back on how I was raised, you know, I've been part of churches where we've had massive prayer meetings, do you know what I mean? And people have been speaking in tongues and people have been giving words and interpretations and pictures and visions and all this kind of stuff. And I've also been part of prayer meetings where no one said a single word and it's been completely silent, but it's just as powerful, if not more. You know, I've been in times where I've seen my parents model prayer and I've seen them pray for people and in situations. I've seen my dad regularly, morning, 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 get up and he would pray and pray and pray. I've seen times, you know, actually, even, you know, my dad, for those that you, you should know this, you know, because I've talked about it a lot, but dementia. He's got dementia, he's got Alzheimer's, but you know, he still prays, he still prays. There's moments where my mum is, we're watching this, they might be watching online now and the Holy Spirit just takes him and he's worshipping the Lord. Do you know what I mean? Even in the midst of real difficulty in trial, he's still praying. It's a habit of prayer that I believe has just been instilled in his life. The model of prayer of what we've seen. You know, what is it that you've been seen and shown and modeled? And actually, the big challenge for us as a church and his people is what are we now modeling prayer to the next generation? What are we showing our young people? How are we talking about prayer? How are we showing that to them and encouraging them and engaging in this communication with the Father? Jesus modeled prayer. Jesus modeled prayer. In Luke 5, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. In Luke 6, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. Has anyone ever done an all-nighter in prayer? I've not. (laughs) I've not. I've been in many evening prayer meetings where I've fallen asleep, but I've never managed the whole night um, in prayer. Um, (laughs) 
Chris is really holy. Eh? He's just receiving and suddenly snoring. Anyway, um, you know, John 17, you know, a whole chapter where we get to read Jesus' prayer. As he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples and he prays for us, the church. And it's really powerful and there's really richness in reading the words of Jesus as he prays for us. But Jesus modeled prayer. And so in Luke 11, first four verses, it says this. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day and our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Over the next few weeks and stuff, we're going to be spending time in the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to take it apart, we're going to unpack it, we're going to teach from it. But this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, is mentioned in Matthew 6 as well as this, Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 11. And in Matthew 6, we've got the Sermon of the Mount, haven't we? Where Jesus famously brings all these different amazing things that he talks about. Jesus had come to earth to bring the kingdom of God to us. Jesus made it clear that the things in the kingdom were very different from the things in the world. And as Jesus taught on the mountainside, you know, many people gathered to hear him and he spoke about lots of different things. And just before he taught the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, Jesus taught all those that were, should follow him, should never do good things just to call attention to themselves. He was challenging motivations of particularly you know, the religious leaders, people there in terms of when they prayed and how they prayed. Because for them it was about being seen and not necessarily about being heard. And so the teaching that Jesus gave in this moment in Matthew was talking about to go and pray behind closed doors. Because it wasn't about them, it was about the relationship with God. And so that is still challenging today, isn't it? And about how we pray. You know, prayer shouldn't be uh, uh, used to teach others. I've been in meetings where people have done that, haven't they? They've prayed, you know, and they, they're trying to teach others through what they're praying. You know, uh, prayers, it's not about impressing others through our kind of big words that we use and scriptures that we may bring up. And, you know, it's not about that. You know, the Lord wants our heart. Prayer should be directed to God and not towards one another. It's about a humble heart before him. And so here in Luke 11, we see this same prayer repeated. And so a request came from the disciples that Jesus said, and they said to him, sorry, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And I love the fact that Jesus was praying in, a, it says, a certain place, right? Jesus was praying somewhere, right? Jesus was praying in a certain place, and they waited until he had finished. So you can imagine the disciples just surrounding Jesus, a little, you know, watching him, whether from afar or nearby, whether they were listening to his words or not, but they were watching him, and they waited until he was finished. They were taken in, like, taken in, 
kind of what was being modeled. They were taking in, you know, the, the, the kind of what they were seeing. What they were taking everything in, whether the words or whether the discipline, whether the, just the, 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 the need, the heart, the seeking, the searching, the connection with the Father. They were taking all that in and they didn't want to interrupt it. And they waited and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Because there was something about watching Jesus that made them want to learn about prayer. Watching the model that Jesus set out before them. They wanted to know more. They wanted to know how to pray just as Jesus was praying. Because there was something about the prayer life of Jesus that just drew them in. Drew them in. The way that he prayed showed something though of that relationship with God the Father. And they wanted that. They were wanting that within their own walk. And you know, even as disciples, we, sorry, even as the disciples, we need Jesus to show us how to pray. Because prayer is so simple. It is. It's one of the things that even the smallest child can do, can pray. That's what we're trying to teach our youngest at the moment. You know, Matthew, all you need to do is thank you, Lord, for our food. Amen. Do you know, it's something that's simple that even the smallest child can do. But something that is so great that even the most holiest of persons, <laughs> all right, cannot be said to truly have mastered prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. And do you know what I love again about this is their request wasn't to learn how to pray, but to pray. And what I mean by that, it wasn't just about mastering a specific technique or a specific kind of like a, a, a kind of an approach in prayer. And there might be things that we might do that kind of you might find helpful. You know, there are might be different things that people can do, you know, that help them focus, whether that's, you know, candle or whether that's music or whether that's silence or whether that's noise, walk and nature. There might be different things in this season that we find really helpful in terms of how to pray. But their request wasn't show us how to, but to pray. Because there's something about our greatest need when it comes to prayer is simply to do just that, to pray. To pray, to pray, and then guess what? Pray more. See, why do we pray? See, Jesus had left where he lived in heaven. He'd left, you know, the wonders and the natures of that presence of God. And so as often as possible, he snuck away from other people so he could go and talk to the Father. He could go and spend time with him once again. And in these quiet places, Jesus could be real with God. He could talk to the Father about everything that was going on. He could give God praise. You know, he could seek God's perfect will. He could ask for strength when he needed to accomplish all these amazing things that we saw him do. And ultimately, paying the price for our sins. See, Jesus faced persecution, trials, heartache, physical suffering. And I believe without regular and continued access in prayer to God, I think he, must have found, he would have found those events just unbearable. That connection, that relationship with the Father. And in the same way, we should never neglect. In Hebrews 4, it says, Approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace and help us in our time of great need. Jesus was intentional about seeking out solitary or even just that quiet time, places to pray. He made it a priority. And I believe Jesus gave us this model of dependency. A dependency upon him. And I believe it's important that we take the time to stop. I'm going to take a bit of a weird tangent, but bear with me. It will make sense, hopefully, and I'll bring it back to this, all right? But let me ask you a question. Do you know what you do with 20 tons of unwanted hair trimmings? 
Random question there, okay. Does anyone know what you do with 20 tons of unwanted hair trimmings? I saw this on QI the other day, right? You use it to clean up oil spills. Okay, right? In 1989, a hairstylist called Phil McCrory was watching CNN's coverage of, a, of the oil spill that had happened in Alaska. And he was washing his client's hair, apparently, at the time. And he knew how easily oil attached to the hair and wondered, what if human hair could be used to clean up the oil spills? Right? And so he, he came up with this idea where he stuffed all this unwanted hair from his salon into some tights, right? Stuffed it into tights and created those big long tubes that you can see on the screen. And he filled his kid's paddling pool with water and then poured oil into it. And then with what he'd created, put it in and he tested it out. And what found was it cleaned up all the oil. And so actually, this is a model that is still used around the world today. Hair used to soak up oil spills because hair is what? Hair is what? Someone said absorbent. If you were on QI right now, you would have got the big because absorbent is the wrong word. It's hair isn't absorbent, it's adsorbent. It's adsorbent. See, when something is adsorbent, something sticks to it and it clings to it. Okay, so like the oil sticking to the hair, it just sticks to it. Whereas something's absorbent, it soaks through and it absorbs, it transfers from that material to the very core of what it is. And so the hair is adsorbent. See, often we see prayer as a thing, something that we just do and it just maybe sticks to us. Okay, it's just a task, it's just a thing, we say the words and there we go, we are done. But when I, see, when I read scripture and I see the model and example of Jesus that we pray, it's about allowing space for the Holy Spirit to move in our lives to the very core of who we are. It's not just sticking, but it moves and it absorbs to the very core. It transforms us. It changes us because we are bringing ourselves from a place of humility and dependency upon him. In the book, Rewilding the Church, the author Steve Eisthorpe, I think that's pronounced, says this. There is a realization that rather than fighting for survival, there is a need to step back and discern what God is doing. In the widespread decline and the various bright sparks beyond the institutions, there is a sense that the Spirit of God is at work. Challenging the followers of Christ to rediscover their identity, recenter their lives on Jesus, and refocus their priorities. We pray because we need to recognize our dependency on Him. We are not called to an independent life. We may be an independent church in title, but we are not called to an independent life. We are called to depend on him. In Mark 12, it talks about loving the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, everything, who we are, to him, to him. 
One of the things the Lord's been showing me and I've been praying for a long, long time is, you know, Psalm 51, creating me a pure heart, Lord, a pure heart and a steadfast spirit. Creating me a pure heart. And so being pure in heart involves having a singleness of heart towards him. It's not about hypocrisy or hidden motives. It's about transparency and uncompromising desire to seek him in all things. It's more about the, ex- it's not the external, it's less about the external, it's not about that, it's more than that. Because actually, it's the internal. It's not the adsorption, the things that we just stick, the labels that we may have, that we do. But actually, pure in heart, it's about the absorption of who he is within each and every one of us. Being transformed by him, for him, for his namesake, for his kingdom, and for his Glory. And so in this season of prayer, there's a verse that's been used quite a lot. And you may have heard it, because lots of churches have been talking about it. Lots of churches have been referring to this from the pandemic. Lots of people have been mentioning it time and time again. I feel like the Lord is doing something, not just within us, but across the church of Great Britain. And actually the world. The church of Jesus Christ. And it's in 2 Chronicles. If my people are called by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways and I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Do you know what the next few verses say? It says, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My heart, my eyes will always be there. This, this chapter is all about the dedication of the temple. In Solomon's day when the temple was built, this is what this chapter is about. And actually, this is in response to Solomon's prayer. In the previous chapter, in chapter 6, Solomon prayed this huge thing. You know, this huge prayer about, you know, kind of healing our lands, you know, kind of all the famine, all the distress, all the hardship, all the different things that they had found as a nation. He prayed all these different things. And this was the Lord's response to the nation of Israel. Humble yourself. Pray and seek my face. Turn away from things previously done. And my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to the prayers. Because I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name will be there forever. And actually what we found was it required a response from the people of Israel. It required a response from them. Because they were, if this is what they wanted, this is what they were praying, and this is what they were seeking, and this is what they needed, the Lord answered, amazing, brilliant, thank you Lord. But it required a response. Do you know there's a call to prayer to give space as a church, I think, to refocus. Like we said in that previous quote, to refocus, to remember the why. Why do we do this? Why do we gather every week? Why do we gather you know, midweek in our life groups and connect? And why do we put on these kind of different activities throughout the week to kind of engage with our community? Why are we doing what we are doing? Remembering who Jesus is. We're humbling ourselves in the fact that we need a saviour. We needed a saviour. We needed rescuing. It's not about us. It's about him. And so a space 
to remember, to refocus, to spend time listening rather than the doing. Seeking his face. I find this so hard. I find this so difficult. I find it hard to sit still. I find it hard. As Ruth said to me yesterday, even yesterday, we didn't do anything as a family. We just chilled. We engaged with one another. We played. We did loads of different things. He's like, have you had a restful day? And I go, I think so. I think so. Because I didn't do anything in the sense I didn't do my garden. I didn't go outside. I didn't clean the house. I didn't do the washing. I didn't do all the different things. And so within me, there's something that it's like, it feels wrong. (laughs) But I did do something. Because I took time out for myself, for my children, for my family, for my, you know, with my wife. I took that time with one another. And the Lord wants the same, to seek his face. You see, is my identity, is our identity found in what we do or in who he is and what he does? There's a word here called recalibrate. You know, it's kind of like readjusting our priorities. Often we pray blessing, don't we, on the things that we do. We go, Lord, will you bless this? Lord, will you bless this thing? But what happens if this thing isn't what the Lord wants us to do in the first place? Actually, we should be praying and pressing into what the Lord is doing and trying to walk in step and in key with that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's the priorities. It's taking time out to stop, to listen, and to recenter on Jesus. Because he wants our heart to draw close, to remove us from the situation. Can how can he fill us up if we're full of ourselves? You know that quote the other day, I was like, yes, brilliant, I love that, I'm taking that. How can the Lord fill us up if we're full of ourselves? Less of self and more of him. See, if we're a church that is about becoming disciples who make new disciples, it has to begin in prayer. It has to. This was the model that Jesus set. Everything was from a place of prayer. And what an amazing privilege that is. Do you know, I think it would do us good sometimes when we pray. We just take a little time, 10 seconds, just to remember who we're talking to. You know, because what an amazing privilege that is. We get to talk to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We get to know God, who is holy, holy, holy. We get to call him Father. Because of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. He's made a way. Remember who we're talking to. Draw near to him. Seek him. Know his heart. And allow space for him to transform us. Without prayer, we're just doing life on our own. And there's absolutely no comparison between God's power and yours. So why wouldn't we want to pray and invite God's power into every situation, every step? Everything that we make, invite God in. The more we do it, the more natural it becomes. He wants to spend time with us. So my prayer is found in Ephesians. This is what I want to pray for us as a church. That famous prayer that we see that Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, uh, prayed for for this church. This is my prayer. This is what I've been praying for a long, long time now. And I'm praying it in this season. So why don't we just take a moment, if you want to read along with me, and that helps. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14. Maybe it's something you want to close your eyes. Maybe it's something you want to receive from him. Maybe, you know, the agreeance, the invitation, you know, that God requires of us. All that it requires is a willingness. Something the Lord's been teaching me recently, a willingness to be used by him. That's what he wants. He wants your heart.
For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep the love of Christ is. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And to him who is able to do so much immeasurably more than all we could ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.